Well, last week we ran out of the fasting brochures, but uh, there should be some at each one of the campuses, each one of the exits here. So pick one up or you, it's online and um, easy to access online. So if you don't get a brochure, pick one up or uh, copy it off online if you want to do that or just look at it and follow it. Uh, it's going to be a great time of fasting. It starts tomorrow. Now, as I mentioned last week, don't pig out, all right, today, all right? Uh, don't go overboard today. Don't make yourself sick. Um, but basically, as we've already talked about, the Daniel fast can be simplified in this measure. No meat, no bread, no dessert. No meat, no bread, and no dessert. And so in 21 days, I'm, I'm excited about how much better we're all going to look in 21 days from eating healthier and making wiser choices. So this is going to be really good. I looked up uh, some of the top resolutions that people make um, every year, and typically this is one of them. It is to cut back or eliminate alcohol from your life. That's a good thing, all right? So I would recommend, hey, is there anything that you wouldn't be willing to just lay down and give up? So maybe if that's been a problem or an issue, why don't you just give it up? And God will help you through prayer and fasting. The other thing was smoking. Um, so if you smoke, oh my goodness, that's so damaging to you. I want you to live healthy and breathe normal. So maybe it's time to put the cigarettes down and pray God help you and empower you by the Holy Spirit. Or maybe... God is speaking to you something about something else. Maybe it's time you give up soft drinks. Or maybe it's time you quit drinking 10 cups of coffee a day, all right? Maybe, that's, maybe it's past time for that. I'm stepping on toes now, I know. And so anyway, um, I'm not saying eliminate it. I'm just saying maybe you need to cut back on some of these things. But there is victory in every area of our lives as we turn to God and rely on Him. We may not be able to do it in ourselves, but with God we can do all things. Say amen. All right. So here's a couple things I want you to um, add to your resolution list. Maybe prioritize both of them. But number one, practice the discipline of prayer and fasting. Practice the discipline of prayer and fasting. Now look, I know that in a crowd this size, I know some of you, you have a regular prayer time, you're prayer warriors, some of you are intercessors, but there are some of you that have still not established a routine of prayer. Uh, there is no time and there is no place. And every once in a while, um, you pray maybe a crisis prayer or a desperate prayer. Maybe it's when you look up and see a blue light in your rearview mirror. Uh, then you really go to serious prayer, the effective, fervent prayer of a righteous man that uh, has got a blue light behind him. It's effective. And so, uh, no, you have yet to establish a prayer routine. 
So that's where I want to challenge you today. God has miracles awaiting for you. And I am excited for you to see what God is going to do in your future. Maybe that thing that you think is an impossibility is the very next thing that God is waiting to drop into your life through prayer. So we talk a lot about prayer, but too many people, too many Christians don't pray. And that was the case years ago um, because about 35 years ago plus, I was not the pastor here, but I was on staff. And um, I did not have a set routine of prayer. No one had really ever challenged me in this area. I had known about prayer, of course, and here I was, going through Bible college a couple years and uh, after completing a, a secular school. And so I come here, and I don't have a routine. Therefore, there were days that I went. I got busy. I didn't pray. And as a uh, pastor, you, uh, you need to pray. And I was having services. And uh, then there were a couple of times that I, I went a whole week and I never prayed because I got up, I got busy, and uh, it was uh, busy back then. And so one time, like two weeks went by, and I realized I hadn't prayed, and I felt terrible inside, felt like a wicked sinner. Uh, I felt weak and undone, and uh, I felt unworthy. And, and then I got on my face before God, and I prayed, and I sought God. And once more, the joy of the Lord was restored, but I didn't have a routine. I am so, so thankful for someone I went in the prayer room last Thursday morning along with other staff members for our staff prayer in the morning, usually around 8.20 to uh, around 9.25. And um, I sat there, and all of a sudden, it hit me. I've been sitting in this staff prayer now for about 35 years. And I thought about how it all happened. And I remembered back to when a staff member made a suggestion to the senior pastor that, hey, what do you think about us just meeting in the morning and praying and reading the word for a while? And out of that one suggestion from a staff member, the former pastor responded, yes, why don't we do that? He said, all of you go to your offices in the morning and do that. Well, there were only about four of us, and we found out that the office was not an ideal place. The phone was there. Uh, notes from yesterday were there. Unfinished ministry was there. Um, and so, eventually, I became the pastor, and we built a little small prayer room, and we went in there. Told the secretaries, admins, don't bother us unless it's an emergency. And uh, so, we just spent that time... And so here it was last Thursday, some 35 years later, and it hit me. Wow, I should text him and thank him for that suggestion. One little suggestion resulted in 35 years of praying at this church of staff members. And as I looked at it, it hit me. Boy, 
I figured it out, and it's somewhere around 5,000 hours of prayer for one individual in 35 years, 5,000 hours. That is, that is approximately 1.3 years of five-day weeks, eight hours a day. And think about it. That's multiplied by several staff members uh, that we have today. And then think about all the prayer that is multiplied, the thousands and thousands and thousands of hours that you have prayed. And as a result, think about all the miracles, the people that are saved, uh, the people that were healed. Think about all that God has done through your prayers. And so... This is going to be a great year, but it's not just going to happen. It's going to happen as we put God first, as we pray, as we seek God. Miracles will happen, but they happen as a result of prayer. Will you say amen and say, I'm going to do this. Get excited about praying into this new year. Well, the second thing is this. Second resolution, practice the discipline of reading and studying God's Word. Of course, we talk about it all the time, but too many people don't ever get around to it. And one of the reasons is that people don't pray is that they don't have a time and a place. So I want to challenge you. Find a time, find a place. Find a time, find a place. And I know you can pray throughout the day in your car, doing laundry, washing the dishes, uh, at your desk, working as an executive, male, female, whoever and wherever you are. But you can pray there. And if you're a student, when you start back and you have tests, you can intercede. Uh, I'm not saying if you don't study, God will help you. Years ago in college, I walked into a classroom. I could not believe the audacity of the professor. I was back there praying for a miracle. I had not studied adequately enough. I'm praying, God, have mercy on my soul. And he gets up in front of the class and he starts praying. Let's pray. He says, God, help those who have studied. But Lord, do not help those who have not. I thought he was a Christian. He had no mercy. Christians have mercy. How dare he pray such a prayer. And so, anyway, find a time, find a place, start praying, start reading the Word, and putting God first in your life. Let me read you something from one of our former presidents of long ago, Abraham Lincoln. He says this in regard to the Bible. He said, in regard to this great book, I have but this to say. It is the best gift God has given to man. All the good the Savior gave to the world was communicated through this book. Except for it, we would not know right from wrong. That's the problem with America today. America doesn't know right from wrong because they're not reading the book. The 16th president made that statement 
when a delegation of African Americans visited him in 1864 and gave him a beautiful copy of the scriptures. That Bible today is in the Bible Museum in Washington, D.C. Let me read you a verse, 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 15. It says, Be diligent to present yourself approved to God, a worker that does not need to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. Be diligent to present yourself, a worker that does not need to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. Well, the emphasis today is prayer. And the example, of course, is Christ. We are followers of Christ. And if we're going to follow Christ, we're going to be people who pray. Number one, Jesus did everything he could to get us to pray. By, first of all, he prayed. Number two, he talked about prayer. When the disciples came to him and said, teach us to pray. He gave them the essence of a daily prayer called the model prayer or the daily prayer. He talked about prayer. Number three, he demonstrated, answered prayer. He demonstrated it. So he prayed, he talked about prayer, he demonstrated, answered prayer by praying and seeing miracles happen. It's interesting that Luke, one of the gospel writers, emphasized prayer more so than the other gospel writers. Now, Matthew, written mostly to the Jewish world at that time, and so his emphasis was on touching the Jewish world, and Luke, writing more to the Greek world at that time, but infused in his gospel is that Jesus prayed more so than the other gospels. And he's told, or we're told by Paul in the book of Colossians that he was a physician in the Greek, one who heals. So he was a doctor. Maybe the reason that Luke had such an emphasis on prayer is because as a physician, he had seen people that were sick that he could not heal. He had seen lepers. He had no means or method or medicine to heal a leper at that time. There were others that he had a passion or compassion toward, but he couldn't do anything for them even though he was a doctor. But now he's a disciple following Jesus Christ. And the leper that he could not heal, Jesus prays, touches, and heals. And I am sure that Luke sees this miracle happen before him, and maybe more so than even the other disciples, but is absolutely blown away with what he's just seen before him. Jesus praying, touching, and healing a leper something he could not do as a doctor. He then sees Jesus praying, healing the eyes of a blind man so that they open something Luke could never do. And I am sure that this thing called prayer that Jesus was regularly doing 
was just absolutely captivating his attention. Well, let me give you some examples of it. At the water baptism of Christ, the other disciples failed to mention that Jesus was praying when something happened. Let's read it. Luke chapter 3, verse 21. When all the people were baptized, it came to pass that Jesus was also baptized. And Luke says, and while he prayed, the heavens were open, and the Holy Spirit descended in bodily form like a dove upon him. And a voice came from heaven which said, you are my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. Luke is the only one that mentions while Jesus was praying, the heavens were open. Can I say to you that as you and I pray, the heavens are going to be open over our lives and the Holy Spirit came down. And so you and I, as we pray, the heavens are open. Thank God Luke wrote this while he prayed. The heavens were open. In the coming weeks, you're going to understand that when you tithe, the heaven is open. I want to walk with an open heaven over my life. And I know you do too. So let's pray. Let's give. Let's walk under an open heaven. Say amen. All right. The other gospel writers. This one, I really had not seen this uh, really in this way ever before. But the other gospel writers simply mention Jesus choosing the 12 disciples. Luke adds to that story uh, with significance. Luke chapter 6, verse 12. The Bible says, Now it came to pass in those days that he went out to the mountain to pray and continued all night in prayer. What is going on? Jesus went to the mount to pray all night in prayer. And then it says, and when it was day, he called his disciples to himself. And from them he chose 12, whom he also called or named apostles. Wow. You know, uh, I can't believe this, but if someone would have asked me, I would have said, well, Jesus called his disciples at different times. He went by, called Peter and John. They left their nets, went with him, called the tax collector. They went with him, and that's true. But there were a whole group of disciples. We don't know how many were in this group that were following Jesus. And so he prays all night long, comes down, and out of that group of disciples, he chooses 12 of them to be his apostles. And so puts a whole different light on it. When you're choosing people for important positions, I would recommend praying before you do so, all right? When you're making big decisions in your life, this was a big decision to choose the 12 apostles. And so I would encourage you to pray before you buy a house. Pray, pray, pray. Before you buy anything of significance, pray, pray, pray. 
before you get married, pray, pray, pray. I would recommend all night long in prayer, all right, like Jesus. Make sure you're going to get the right one. Maybe take two nights, all right? Anyway, the emphasis is pray before we make lifelong decisions. And we all need that word, every one of us, that will help us. And then, when the, Jesus was transfigured, the Bible says in Luke, something that the other Gospels did not say. In Luke chapter 9, verse 29, and as he prayed, the appearance of his face was altered, and his robe became white and glistening. Wow, incredible. On the Mount of Transfiguration, here is Jesus. The other disciples said, and he was transfigured. Luke says, and while he was praying, while he was praying, you get a better glimpse into the prayer life of Jesus when you read the book of Luke. And all of them are a mosaic that is needed to make a complete picture. But Luke emphasizes that Jesus prayed. So you and I, are we followers of Christ? Of course we are. So then we're going to be followers of someone who prayed. We're going to pray. In John chapter 15, talking about the word earlier, it says, Jesus himself, if you abide in me, if you abide in me and my words abide in you, you're into the word, you're reading the word, so the word is abiding in you. You will ask what you desire. And your desires, if you are abiding in him and the word is abiding in you, then of course, your desires are godly. And it shall be done for you. Wow. Wow, wow. You know the first thing that Jesus told his disciples about prayer. He told them to love and pray and bless their enemies. Who were their main enemies at that point? The Romans, the Roman soldiers, the Roman leadership, the Roman government. And no doubt, every Jewish man would have probably said, we hate the Romans. Jesus comes along, says, no, you don't hate the Romans. You are to love them. Can you imagine what a man filled with hatred toward the Romans would have felt like when Jesus said, you don't hate them. You are to love them. You are to bless them. And furthermore, you are to pray for them. I'm sure some of them were like, yeah, I'll pray that they die. No, you don't pray they die. You pray that they are blessed. Wow. This was revolutionary, to say the least. The first mention of prayer to his disciples was about praying for those that they hated, their enemies that did them wrong. Well, Jesus continues on in Matthew chapter 6. It's just prayer after prayer after prayer, emphasis on prayer. And it reads, when you pray, in verse 5, when you pray, not if, but when, Set a time, set a place. You shall not be like the hypocrites, for they love to pray standing in the synagogues and on the corners of the streets that they may be seen by men. Assuredly, I say to you, they have their reward. 
But you, when you pray, go into your room, when you've shut the door, pray to your Father who's in the secret place, and your Father who sees in the secret place will reward you openly. Now, Jesus is not saying the only place you are to pray is in a room behind a locked door. No, you can have that time away, absolutely. But we are to be praying continuously, always. Praying always, the Bible tells us. Jesus prayed openly in front of his disciples, ongoing, day after day. He was constantly praying. And then there were those times that he would steal away to the mountain or someone somewhere privately by himself. The emphasis here is don't pray to be seen by others. Don't pray for others to think you are spiritual. Unfortunately, uh, in my past is a story of when I prayed very immaturely. Um, in college, I, of course, went to college. I was young in the Lord, and I felt God's tug on my heart for ministry and finally said yes. And so I'm like, okay, I'm going to be in the ministry, and so I need to uh, find a nice young lady. And I met this girl. I invited her out for a date. Well, when you're in Bible college and you don't have much money, your date is church, all right? It, it doesn't cost you anything. Uh, sometimes it can be really exciting with what went on back then. And uh, so I invited her to church. We go. You know, I'm trying to be on my spiritual best behavior. Um, at the end of the service, I think it was, they said, if you would like to pray, spend some time in prayer, uh, there's a room right over here. So I'm like, I'm trying to be spiritual. I'm like, uh, would you like to go pray? And she, yes. I mean, who's going to say no? I know I want to go get a hamburger. No. And so, uh, so we go, and there's a room, and chairs are in there, and we walk in, and I kneel down at a chair, and I start praying. All of a sudden, oh, She's a tiny thing, and all of a sudden, it's like a lion. She starts praying. I mean, it goes from like zero to a hundred decimals. I mean, it's just, she is praying like, oh, I'm kneeling. I'd never prayed like that, but I'm about to. And so I... I all of a sudden, I start raising my, I'm getting into it. And it seemed like the more I prayed louder, the louder she got. <laughs> I was like, I'm in, I'm in shock. I, 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 can't, I can't even hardly imagine her just, I mean, going after God, praying out loud with all of her heart passionately. And I'm over here, and I'm like, I am not going to let her beat me. And I am just, I'm going to go for it too. And my decimals are rising. But I'm like, I'm th at that point, I'm no longer pay praying. I'm competing. And so I'm like, oh, my goodness. I think she's going to beat me. And finally, I prayed everything I know to pray, and then some. Uh, I've covered all the bases. I'd never prayed that long and that hard in my life. And so finally, I'm like, she's still going. 
I look over. I'm like, oh, my Lord. It's not her. It's somebody else. She is just still going. I look around. There she is. Just can't even hear her. I'm like, what was she thinking? <laughs> well, took her home. We didn't really talk about it. And so, uh, took her home. Uh, I never asked her out again. I was number one. Uh, I was too embarrassed. And number two, she wasn't that good of a prayer. So anyway, I was like, um, uh, no, I need somebody else. I'm not sure I need the next one to me. But anyway, uh, Jesus. He didn't pray to be impressive, but he was. Because his prayers touched heaven and answers came down. But folks, do not think for a moment that you have less ability in your prayers than Jesus because he did not pray as God. He prayed as a man who was God too, but he prayed as a man to set the example for you and I. And the Bible says in Luke 5, 16, and he withdrew himself into the wilderness and prayed. He prayed, he prayed, he prayed. Stop saying, it's so hard to pray. Stop saying, I don't know if it does any good. Stop it. That is so, that is so wrong for us to say those kind of things. Because when you get a snapshot of what prayer can do in your life, your eyes are going to get big and you're going to be, your spirit is going to soar and it's like, whoa. I have been given a gift of prayer that unlocks the greatness of God for my life and others. What an incredible gift God has given us. And this week, this week and starting this fasting time, find a place, find a time, and then also be praying on an ongoing basis about whatever you need to pray about, but find a place and find a time and, and slip away. And even especially you mom, uh, single moms with small children, and I don't know how you do it, but I do know this, that you've got to find a time and a place, even for a few minutes, uh, for God to infuse you and to minister to you, to help you with all that you have to deal with in life. The Bible says in Luke chapter 18, 1, and he spoke a parable unto them to this end, that men ought always to pray and not to faint. To faint, to lose heart, to give up. Don't faint, don't lose heart. What he's really saying is, if you pray, you will not faint because he will infuse you. He will empower you. He will fill you. But he's saying if you don't pray, you may faint. And the possibility is very real, you will. And that's why God help all of us not to lose heart, not to faint, but to say, God, I don't understand this. Lord, there have been prayers that I prayed that I didn't. It looked like to me that they weren't answered. 
But listen, there are things that may be a mystery to you and I, but we don't go to hell over a mystery. We don't give up over a mystery. We don't doubt over a mystery. We press through and we choose to say, God, you're good. You're good, you're good, you're good. And I may not have understood the outcome, but I'll tell you what, I'm going to praise you in the midst of it. I'm not going to cease to do that, and I'm not going to cease to pray. Now, God help us. This Friday night's a prayer meeting, 7 to 9. 7 to 9, it's going to be fabulous, and, and you need to be here. This place needs to be filled to overflowing with people hungry for God. And pray through the week, establish a time and a place, but come here on Friday night and at 7 o'clock and uh, pray with us and seek God and pour out your life. to is something about coming together with a crowd. I, I pray this place is filled to overflowing. Well, the Bible tells us to be childlike in our faith uh, as a, uh, having several grandchildren. Uh, one recently, you have to bear with me on this periodically with grandkids because they're pretty special, all right? But uh, one of them, my daughter sent me a little video where she had talked about, Mom, my favorite thing to do with Jesus. And then Carla was like, Reagan, say that again, say it again. She tried to film her, but wasn't as good as the original, but you don't know that because you didn't see the original. And so we're going to show you the, the follow-up, all right, of little Ray. Very short. Mom, do you, know, do you know what my favorite thing is doing with Jesus? What's your favorite thing with Jesus? Praying and reading the Bible with him. All right. You know what she said? My favorite thing to do with Jesus is praying and reading the Bible with him. I love that, reading and praying and with him. Thank God forevermore. Let me give you one more scripture. It's this in John chapter 14, verse 13 and 14. Here is Christ saying, whatever, whatever Jesus said, you ask in my name that I will, what? Do. That the Father may be glorified in the Son. Don't come up with some, hey, but what about? Don't, don't say those kind of things. I, I don't understand. No, just read the Word. Believe the Word. Let your faith grow in the Word. Let it be childlike. And you just get up and keep pressing on, believing what Christ said. And whatever you ask in my name, that I will do, that the Father may be glorified in the Son, if, if you ask anything in my name, I will do it. Folks, he's talking about the name of Jesus. There is power in the name of Jesus. That, why don't you just say it with me for a moment, Jesus. Jesus, Jesus, there is power in the name of Jesus. His name is a name that is above every name, the Bible says. Every knee shall bow at the name of Jesus. Every mouth will confess that Jesus is Lord. There is power in the name of Jesus. So add to your prayers when we pray. Father in heaven, I ask you in Jesus' name, whatever that ask is, in the name of Jesus Christ. And also, 
Use that name to come against the enemy during your prayer life. Say, devil, I bind you. I cast you down in the name of Jesus so that every plan, every scheme, every attack of the enemy is cast down under our feet in Jesus' name. There is power, power, power in the name of Jesus. Let's don't forget it and let's don't ignore it. God help us. Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. Bow your heads with us, please. Jesus, you taught us to pray. You showed us how. Jesus, the power of this gift you have given us. God, I thank you in advance for what's going to happen, Lord, in lives that are sitting here hearing this message. And just like a suggestion of 35 years ago has brought untold fruit in the spirit realm, so this message will be taken to the hearts of so many there at Redbug, there at Michigan, there online, there in the atrium and here in the auditorium. This message will be taken to heart. And Lord, as a result, untold miracles from the realm of heaven will take place. Starting right now, this morning, here at the campuses, starting today with people saying yes to Jesus Christ. While every head is bowed, there at Redbug, there at Michigan, there on, even online, some of you are listening that you may need God. You may be there with a family member who has this on, and you're just walking by, but God has gripped you and speaking to you and ministering His grace and love to you. The campuses here, I ask, first of all, that Christians be praying, whispering a prayer of intercession. And then I want to ask, if you're here and you don't have a personal relationship with Christ, you are living a life that is so void of all that God has for you. You don't even realize the emptiness of your soul until he comes and fills it. And so across all three campuses, every person listening to my voice, you need Christ, you need Jesus, you need forgiveness. Why don't you right now slip your hand up? Just do it right now across this building, yes. God bless you and God bless you and you. Others, lift it up, lift it up. God's dealing with your heart, isn't he? In the risers, there at the campuses, God's touching your heart, drawing you to himself. The powerful name of Jesus Christ is moving on your life by his spirit, and you are sensing him. 
and you are thinking, what am I going to do? Say yes to God. Say yes to His Spirit. Say yes to God's love and forgiveness. Your life will never be the same. Others, quickly, lift your hand high. Lift it up. There in the atrium, you need Christ. Raise your hand. There are the campuses. Raise your hand. Say yes. Don't put it off. What in the world would stop you from saying, I need Jesus and responding? What would stop you? Nothing can stop you. Not hell itself can stop you. So lift that hand high. If you haven't done so already, do it now. Do it now. Lift it up now. Yes, God bless you. Stand with us, please. All over in the campuses, the guys are coming. Jesus, 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 my God. Jesus. Jesus, Holy Spirit of God, move upon this place. Please, no one leaving. Please, no one slipping out. Please, just remain standing right where you are, please. This is too, too important. Pastor John is going to step up as always and lead us in a chorus in a moment. And when he does, those of you that raised your hand and those of you that should have, I challenge you, slip into that aisle, make your way to this altar. There's not a believer in this building and there are literally hundreds upon hundreds and hundreds that have been in your shoes, in your place, making the same decision you're gonna make this morning. Stepping out, responding, just like you're gonna do this morning. And so we've been where you are. And I'm telling you, on this side, wow, it's incredible. On the side of grace, on the side of love and free. It's incredible. And so I challenge you, those of you that raised your hand and those that didn't slip out in a moment and come to this altar, don't let anything hold you back. And then you're a believer, but you have a need in your life. You need somebody to pray. We've been talking about prayer. And we didn't talk about the prayer of agreement, but there is power in the prayer of agreement. So as he leads us, why don't you make your way to this altar right now as he leads us, please. Pastor John, please. In the darkness, Jesus, my God. That is who Jesus, my God. If you raise your hand, even if you didn't, slip out and come. Make your way to this altar. Let's pray. Let's get right with God. Yet let's say yes to the goodness of God. Jesus, my God. that need to be in this altar. God's dealing with your spirit. God's speaking to your heart. 
God speaking to you. It's the beginning of a new year. Why don't you let Him make you a new creation for this new year? So one more time, Pastor John, lead, it, lead us through that course. You step out and come. You need prayer, step out and come. Father, we praise you. We praise you. We praise you. We praise you, Pastor John is going to lead us in prayer. Slip your hand in this direction, please. Pray with him. God bless you richly today. Start that fast tomorrow. No meat, no bread, no dessert. And God's going to bless you. Miracles are going to break forth on your life. Find a time, find a place to pray and join us Friday night. Lead us, Pastor John. God bless you. Father, in Jesus' name, thank you so much, Lord, for your presence in this place. Thank you for speaking your word of our lives. And God, we believe it's your spirit that's drawing these people to these altars, Lord God, that's drawing people to reach out to you over our broadcast, that's drawing people over every campus, Lord God. We thank you, Lord God, that by your power, in the name of Jesus Christ, you are touching these lives, God, that you're saving and delivering and you're setting captives free, Lord God. I thank you that the plans of the enemy are destroyed against their lives, Lord God. I thank you, Lord God, that you're bringing families back together, that you're uh, causing bad things to work for the good of those uh, that are loved by you and that love you, Lord God. I pray in the name of Jesus, Lord, uh, that answers are being given, Father. And I pray, Father, that when these men and women and, and these people leave this time at these altars, Lord God, that they wouldn't leave the same, but that they would be changed forever and impacted by your Holy Spirit. I pray, God, that they would leave this place with power and with an ability to follow you into your will for their lives forever and ever. And I pray in the name of Jesus that as we all navigate this season that we're walking into right now, this time of prayer and fasting and, and drawing closer to you, God, I pray in Jesus' name that your Holy Spirit would draw us deeper and closer into your presence, that in our times of prayer we would hear you clearly and that you would give us everything that we need, Lord God, to serve you well. We honor you and we praise you for it and we thank you for this joyous season in your presence. In Jesus' mighty name, amen, amen, and amen. God bless you, church. We love you so much. We hope to see you again very soon. To our first time guests, don't forget, in our guest welcome center, out these doors and to our left, there is a reception in your honor. Otherwise, God bless you all. <laughs>